Sunday is stress management and resilience. What I thought I'd do is do a class on stress management and resilience. To, to be able to do that, what we, we, what we need to be able to do is to understand what they are. So resi resilience is how you respond to the big things in life. Uh, there, there's a, a really useful study which followed people's lives over the course of four years in the United States. And there were a lot of in-depth interviews and a lot of really useful information. It's a thing called a longitudinal study. And what they learned out of this group of people who are representative demographic of the United States, which is pretty much a representative demographic of the United Kingdom, you know, in terms of wealth distribution and age and so on. Um, what they learned was that over the course of somebody's lifetime, they experience up to, on average, small, you know, so if you look at the vast majority of people, they'll experience anything from no adversities until obviously they get to the end of their lives, uh, which is uh, an adversity for everybody. Uh, but basically, they, they, they'll live a charmed life. And at the other end, you've got people with 15 or more adversities. And the way they measure adversity, so this is what you're resilient to. So you're not resilient to you know, somebody sticking their fingers up at you as they, they drive along the road and you pull out in front of them. That's not resilience. Uh, that's just, you know, whatever your emotional response happens to be. These are things that make you change things in your life. Uh, so, for example, everything between taking on a, a, a big loan at the bottom end of these um, adversities right up to injury, illness, disability, bereavement and so on at the top end and in the normal run of things putting great catastrophes to one side the, the most the highest level of adversity somebody encounters is the loss of a life partner you, you lose a life partner everything changes um, and so what happens is that how do people respond to that and this study tells us without any real doubt that at first we respond better. So for the first four adverse experiences, we become more resilient. We're less likely to have thing called post-traumatic stress. We're less likely to be depressed. We're less likely to become anxious because of it. And we're actually happier. So what that tells us is we can learn to be resilient. From then onwards, and it doesn't matter when, they, when these happen in life. For example, you can go through three quarters of your life as a charmed lifer. And then when you get your first four um, adverse experiences, your resilience grows. At that point, it stops and it starts to drop back. So the average person on this study was 45 years old. And they had encountered nine adversities. And their resilience was beginning to drop below what it was before they started, before they encountered any adversity. And the reason for that is because they're employing mechanisms. Let me give you an example. One of these, which there's a lot of, lot of talk about, is exercise and exercise is good for you it's good as part of your strategy but if you make your entire strategy exercise then you're going to be in a difficult place when the adversity you encounter is illness injury disability or something that just stops you from exercising ideally what we want to do is to have an internal coping strategy or a coping mechanism why internal because with every adversity you encounter your ability to cope improves because you become more of an expert at it um, that's the resilience side of things and stress management what is stress stress is your body's response to a challenge it doesn't matter what the challenge is 
it could be encountering a difficult person, it could be encountering somebody you really like, and it's really important for you to impress them. It might be a job interview. It might be an interview with someone in authority. It might be an adversity. Whatever the experience is, your body responds to the challenge. And what actually happens is it responds to the challenge as if it's a physical challenge. So let's say, for example, I encounter something which is fairly typical. Let me think of a typical uh, stressor, and that it could be a difficult neighbor. So there you go. You move into a new house, and you fall out with a neighbor, and they're very aggressive and angry, difficult people. And they start doing uncomfortable things, and you become stressed by that. Stress management is keeping your physiological response aligned with whatever it is that's causing the stress our body's responding as if it's being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger when actually it's just a disagreement with somebody that will probably blow over so how do we do that and this is at the heart of the resilience practices and it's at the heart of the stress management practices we become more aware of our responses because we spend a lot of time on autopilot in the modern world there was a study done in 2007 by a couple of harvard psychologists there's an app called track your happiness as far as i know it's still online you can download it last time i looked it was measuring the relationship between happiness and productivity are you happy when you're product productive and are you productive when you're happy and the answer is 100 you are it's huge uh, so this this idea the happy worker is a good worker is absolutely true but going back in the day what it would do it would buzz you during the day and it would ask you what were you doing 10 minutes ago was your mind wandering and how happy are you and what we discovered from that was when our minds are wandering we're in an unhappy place because the brain is going to look for threats it does this thing called rumination so if something's happened in the past it goes over it and over it and over it and over it similarly so if we think that a possible future outcome might be unhelpful our mind's constantly drawn to that and that creates anxiety and that triggers the stress so right at the heart of all of the techniques the resilience and the stress management techniques is awareness of our state our physiological state what's happening in my mind what's happening in my body am i stressed am i calm am i relaxed am i tired Am I exhausted? Uh, and, and if there are any emotions, I want to have a fairly good idea of what they are so that I can make sure that I respond appropriately to my experience. So the foundation of all the, all the training is becoming aware of the present moment so you can check in with yourself and you, you can become aware of your thoughts. And then what you can do is you can use a thing called an intervention technique so those two steps are critical awareness physiological awareness psychological awareness what's what's the mind doing intervention techniques we want to be able to intervene in the repetitive nature of the mind we want to be able to intervene in anxiety we want to be able to intervene in stress so to become aware what we do is mindfulness meditation and to do mindfulness meditation, we need to become present, which means that we need to connect to the present moment, which all sounds really airy-fairy. So what I've done is cut through all of the waffle, and I cut through it with a special exercise, which consists of listening to a bell. When we listen to the bell, 
we listen to it in a very special way. What I'd like you to do is listen to the sound of the bell as it moves through time. We don't normally do that. So if you just want to get yourselves comfortable, it's probably best if you close your eyes and then notice the sound of the bell moving through time. Stay with it. Notice all of the other sounds, the traffic, movements in the room, sound of my voice. bring your attention to the breath in your belly just at the point where the belly meets the chest notice the movement of the belly And you're just noticing that tiny little movement. And what that exercise does is it brings us to the present moment. Because we begin to notice the present moment moving through time. So in here, in the church, we're lucky, we've got the sound of the clock, people's voices, traffic, movements in the room, the occasional airplane. If you're somewhere where it's completely silent, notice that you can still notice the movement of the present moment through time by listening for a sound. So you're not actually listening to the sounds, you're waiting for a sound. And 
noticing the movement of the belly, what that does is it's keeping time. So you're noticing the present moment progressing through time. I know it's, I haven't really said anything about the mind. I mean, you know, your mind might be busy, it might not. There could be mental chatter. Your attention might be being drawn away. But none of that matters because all we're noticing is the rising and falling of the belly. Tiny little movement. And so what we'll do is our first stress reduction exercise, which is called opening, uh, sorry, adopting an open, balanced and relaxed posture. And the way to do that is if you're seated on a chair, what you do is you put your feet flat on the floor and you put your elbows by your side. And that causes your back to straighten up. And then you balance your head comfortably on top of the spine. So the, the goal with this practice, adopting an open, balanced and relaxed posture, is that you become comfortable. Because any discomfort is because of tension and Balancing our body like this reduces the tension. And if you place your tongue gently up against the back of the top teeth, so it's very gently in contact with the sharp part of the bottom teeth, you'll notice that you naturally breathe in and out through the nostrils. And then you become aware of the breath entering and leaving the belly. The reason for the tongue against the sharp part of the bottom teeth, we shall discover if you put your tongue between your teeth and then try to tighten your jaw muscles. And you'll discover you can't tighten your jaw when your tongue's between your teeth. That's a physiological switch. The body switches off the tension in the jaw when your tongue's in contact with the sharp part of the bottom teeth. So just gently resting it there, switches off the tension in the jaw, relaxes the jaw, all the muscles in the face are connected. You're relaxing your face without even trying. And then with your hands, where your first fingertip and thumb tip is in contact, very, very, very gently. If you leave it like that, very gentle contact between the tip of the thumb and the tip of the first finger. 
so gentle you could slide a cigarette paper between them. What happens is that relaxes your hand without you trying. So all we're doing now is we're noticing sound passing our awareness and we're noticing the belly rising and falling and moving. And this witnessing of sound passing and noticing the breath. We also notice various other things. We'll notice our thoughts. We'll notice how we feel. But if we stay in the present moment connected to the breath, so you're noticing the breath rising and falling, if your mind's in a difficult place, it relaxes a little bit. If your emotions are in an uncomfortable place, they calm down a bit too. So what we'll do now is we'll go into a cycle and this is always the same. It doesn't matter if you're new or you've been doing it for years. You've been doing it for years. It just takes longer for this cycle to happen. If you're new, it happens a lot. It's not a competition. And what the cycle consists of is we're noticing the breath. The practice called following the breath. And then the mind will start to wander. You know, I've got to do this thing and I've got to meet that person and they'll say this and I'll say that. And it will go into a scenario and it will start to play itself out in your head and you'll forget all about being here and being aware of the breath and noticing the belly rising and noticing time passing and all that. You'll be drawn into the scenario. It could be from the past, could be from the future. It doesn't matter. And then you'll notice, at some point, you'll notice. And you bring your attention back to the breath again. And then you're noticing the breath rising and falling. And after a few minutes, the mind starts off on one again, got to do this, got to do that. This, this has got to be said, they got to say this. This is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, this is fair, this is unfair, whatever it happens to be. And it'll go through that process and you'll notice and you bring your attention back to the breath again. And we repeat. What we're doing is training ourselves to notice that our mind has wandered. And the only way to do that is to allow the mind to wander, which is why we do this practice, because it's not very intensive and it doesn't hold our attention. We're noticing the breath rising and falling. 
sound moving through time, mind wanders. Notice that the mind's wanders. Bring our attention back to the breath. Noticing the breath. Mind wanders. Bring our attention back. Repeat. We'll practice this for the next few minutes. It's called following the breath. It's um, 2,600 years old. Belly rising, belly falling. Cool breath in, warm breath out. Just noticing the cycle of the rising and falling of the belly. It doesn't matter how many times the mind wanders, doesn't matter how much, how busy the mind gets. It's not a competition. We're not trying to silence it. 
what we're doing is training ourselves to notice that our minds wandered. So in a way, the more it wanders, the more we notice, the better. So you're just noticing all of this happening. Sound, movement of the belly, thoughts, emotions, whatever it might happen to be, just noticing it. So what we're going to do now is a stress management practice. So stress is retained in the body as ten tension. That's why you can see it in people's faces. And so learning to relax releases the tension, intervenes in the stress. Checking in with our posture again, ideal posture, elbows by the side, head balanced comfortably on top of the spine. Feet flat on the floor, finger and thumb tips gently in contact that's totally optional of course as is everything you being comfortable is the most important thing and the tongue against the sharp part of the bottom teeth and bring your attention to the center of your eyeballs not something we normally do but we can all do this there's like a fine, sharp focus of the center of the eyeballs. And while you stay focused on that, what we do is we become more aware of our out-breath. So we're only doing these two things. We're noticing the center of the eyeballs and we're noticing the out-breath. What this does is a thing that the brain's really good at. It does association. So on the out breath, we're relaxing. And by focusing on the out ball, out on the eyeballs, as we breathe out, we're associating the out breath, the focus and relaxation in the brain. And we practice this for a while. And soon enough, we'll be able to relax our face like this. And so when you do this at home, you do it for 10 out-breaths. You just count the out-breaths. When you get to 10, breathing in normally, tongue against the sharp part of the bottom teeth, breathing out, 
focusing our attention, mouth and lips, jaw and throat. What we're doing is scanning down from the lip, upper lip, over the mouth, over the jaw, down to the throat as we breathe out. Breathing in normally, breathing out, mouth and lips, jaw, throat. And again, checking in with your physiology, elbows by the side, head balanced comfortably. When we breathe in, we bring our attention to the base of the skull. And when we breathe out, we scan down each shoulder muscle, down to where the arms are hanging. Breathe in, base of the skull, breathe out, scanning gently down both shoulder muscles down to where the arms are hanging off the shoulders. And you'll notice as you breathe in, your shoulders rise, and as you breathe out, your shoulders fall. So you're letting go of that tension on the out breath as the shoulders release the tension in the muscles. And so they're falling. So breathing in, it's tension that lifts the shoulders, breathing out. It's relaxation that releases them. And again, we practice that for 10 out breaths. And again, breathing in, bring our attention to the wrists, breathing out, scanning down the hand, palm of the hand or the back of the hand, doesn't really matter. Again, on the out breath. So each out breath, it's allowing tension out of the hand. as you scan down the hand. Again, breathing in normally, bringing your attention to the eyes and then the entire body as we breathe out, checking in, balancing, breathing out, eyes, jaw, shoulders, hands, down to the tips of your fingers, down through your legs, through your feet, into the floor. Breathing in, aware of the eyes, breathing out, Releasing tension, eyes, jaw, shoulders, hands, down to your feet.
So that's a long, relaxing out breath, taking all the tension with you. And then again, gently returning your attention to the belly, just noticing the movement of the belly rising and falling. And then we've got another little exercise. With this one, what we're going to do is count the breaths. This is works for about 50% of people straight out the box, never done it before. This calms the mind, the other half not but there are other practices for the other half. So we'll try this out. So you start noticing the breath rising and falling. And what we're going to do is count the breaths. What we do is say one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, in our minds, three on the in-breath, four on the out-breath, up to 10. And when you reach 10, begin again at one. When you lose count, begin at one. So it's counting in your minds, one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, three on the in-breath, four on the out-breath, up to 10. Reach 10, begin at one, lose count, begin at one. Okay, so we'll practice this for the next few minutes. This is thousands of years old as well. It's called counting the breaths. Not a competition to get to 10. You're just count, noticing the breath, counting it. When you reach 10, start at one. When you lose count, start at one. Nothing else to be done. We'll practice this for the next few minutes. So if the counting breaths calms your mind, you stay with it. If it doesn't calm your mind, here's another practice. Again, we're noticing the breath. And then thought will pop up. Sooner or later, thoughts will pop up. And when that happens, 
we note it. And the way we do that is on two consecutive out-breaths, we say in the mind, thinking, second out-breath, thinking. And then we're back to noticing the breath. Again, we're waiting for the breath. Thought arises. We notice a thought. We're acknowledging the thought. Saying in the mind on two separate out-breaths. Thinking. Thinking. And then back to the breath. So you could be doing counting the breaths. That calms your mind, and if that doesn't, then you're trying out noting thoughts. We'll just practice this for the next few minutes. Cool breath in, warm breath out. And again, we're noticing the breath rising and falling in the belly. Noticing the passage of time. and noticing the movement of the sound of the bell through time.
And in your very, very own time, gently return your attention to your surroundings. Okay. So that the noticing the breath meditation is woefully misunderstood. It's seen as some way of like silencing the mind. There's a lot of nonsense. It, the, the thing that's important is the moment when you notice your mind's wandered. So anything that you do in, in this world, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So let's say you sit down for 15 minutes a day and you're noticing your breath, mind wanders. You notice your mind's wandered, bring your attention back to the breath. Mind wanders, bring your attention back to the breath. Uh, after a while, you start noticing your mind's wandering during the day. And then what do you do? By then, you've also done the relaxation meditation for a few weeks or months, and you notice you're stressed. You focus your attention on your eyes, your jaw, shoulders, hands, tongue against the sharp part of the teeth, and you've never been stressed and relaxed. Yeah, and angry, angry and relaxed. No one ever gets angry and relaxed. So don't be angry. They say, relax. Because we know if you can relax, you, the anger goes away. Same with the stress. You can relax, uh, you can't be stressed. So the, the other practice is the counting the breaths, the noting thoughts there, interventions for the mind. They, bit, one of those, will, for most people, will make their mind a bit calmer. So the, you've got these two set things. So you've got emotion, you've got stress, you've got um, busy mind, and they all get mixed up together. And these are little intervention practices. But to do them, you need to know, you need to be here to do it. Otherwise, there's no point thinking, oh, I got angry yesterday. I wish I'd remembered to do that practice. So that's what that's what the mindfulness meditation does, is it keeps bringing you back to now so that you can do that practice. Okay. And if they don't work for you, don't worry. There's many more where that came from. And that's what I do here every week. All right. So. That's it for today.